98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. All right, let's hit the reset button on the show. We're halfway home. Let's get you caught up in everything going on in sports. We're going to start and end with the Arizona Cardinals. A long injury report for the Cardinals on their first day of practice getting ready for the Eagles. Ten did not practices. Five limited participants today. Your ten DNPs. Kelvin Beecham, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, Rashard Lawrence, Matt Prater, who's already been ruled out, Justin Pugh, Dick Vigil, and Max Williams. Your five limited players. Zaven Collins, A.J. Green, D.J. Humphreys, Ezekiel Turner, and J.J. Watt. And only two of those DNPs, Gambo, were cited where rest was the cited reason. The others were all injury-based. Yeah, that's a lot on that offensive line, Bernsey. A lot on that offensive line. A lot on that offense, to the point where Cliff had said earlier today he's not really going to know for sure what his offensive line is going to look like until much, much later in the week. As I mentioned, Matt Prater out, which means Matt Amendola is in. Here's Cliff Kingsbury. He's in the NFL for a reason and has had some success kicking at, at certain spots and looked really sharp today. Team also re-signed offensive lineman Coda Martin. Meanwhile, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts apparently was a, a slightly miffed that no reporters asked him about the Cardinals today. I will say this too. Um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals for real this, this game, so I don't want y'all thinking this is this is a really good team we're about to play. They they. They have a really good defense, disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on on the back end, so um, let's, let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. I like the move from the young quarterback to to kind of yeah. let them let the media know. Hey, by the way, this, you, you you should be asking me at least a question about them before we say goodbye for the week, right? Yeah, yeah. So he throw it out there. It's a good football team we're playing. You know, can't overlook them. And I think that's the most important thing is you know for young guys to recognize that. You know the Cardinals are ta- or the Cardinals have talent. You know if you overlook them, they can beat you. You, know, you yeah. play your game. Philly should win, but if you don't, as we see every single Sunday, there are upsets in this league. Suns are in Vegas to take on the Lakers in preseason game number two. You'll hear the game here on seven o'clock uh, at seven o'clock on ninety-eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Um, what are you looking for tonight in preseason game number two? Just a response after the loss to Australia. I mean, the last two memories we have of the game seven against the Mavs, and then you know this game against. Australia, you just want to see the Suns getting back to you know the, the belief that they're a dominant team. So there are a lot of little things that they'll work on. I think Monty only played the starters about 22 minutes in that game against Australia. Nonetheless, nonetheless, they haven't played well. We're just looking for the Suns to, to play a good game. Last night, the debut of Victor Webinyama, the seven foot five center and projected Ooh. number one pick, put on a show. 37 point performance against the G League Ignite last night. It was so dynamic. Dynamic. His agent today had to shoot down some executives' ideas that he should just shut it down until the NBA draft. That he should not play another basketball game until the draft to protect himself and his stock. That's how good he was last night. I, I get it. I mean, I, I but you know, I mean, it's a part of you that wants to continue to grow and get better and and play and, and and but I get it like I mean we, we see football players not but you're talking about it that's like how many more months is that that's 7 months of not playing at all yeah he'd be until more than that it'd be nearly 9 months of not nine playing months. yeah the draft is mid July late July yeah i mean it'd be a long if you were his agent what would you advise 
I would probably advise him not to play. Wow. <laughs> I, don't think he yeah. needs to, I don't think he needs to play. I don't think he needs, he'll be the number one pick no matter what he does. Yep. Yeah, don't no matter get, what happens, no he's matter the what happens, pick. He's the number one pick. I'd probably advise him to not play. Diamondbacks won their final game of the year today. They beat the Brewers four to two. Corbin Carroll and Josh Rojas both hit homers in the ninth, and congratulations are in order to Merrill Kelly, who hit the two hundred innings pitched mark on the season in the game today. Gambo, uh, I'm so happy for him. I sent him a congratulatory text, and he. So already gotten back to me, so I'm real happy for him. That's a great milestone, right, for a pitcher to get to 200 innings, workhorse type of guy. I mean, he he was great for the D-backs this year. Him and Gallon, you know, it's that's, that's a good one-two punch going going forward, and I'm really excited to see what some of these young kids could do, especially Dre Jameson. Yep. But our top story of the day today here on Burns and Gambo, we circle back to the Cardinals as they were, as we mentioned, on the practice field today, getting ready for the Eagles. We've given you all the injury update. The big question one of the many questions looming over the Cardinals right now, their inability to win at home, and certainly, Gambo, if you could draw it up and handpick one team that you wouldn't want to try to end that streak against, this would, out of the NFC at least, this is the one team that you would pick. The Eagles are playing at such a high level right now. But regardless... We're talking about seven straight games you've lost at home dating back to October of last year. We're almost working on a full calendar year since you won a game at home. It is getting to the point where they are, rightfully so, embarrassed by their lack of ability to win in their own building. Yeah, I mean, Steve Kime said said as much to us when he joins us every Friday to talk about that. I mean, I think they're very disappointed. I mean, you know, I mean, Michael Bedwell, I wonder what's going through his mind as he sits there up in the, you know, the suite and he sits next to Steve Kime or very close to him. And, it, you know, you watch your home team, you know, you lose, you know, game in, game out. I mean, it's a it's a terrible losing streak. You don't expect to. And it's not like they're, you know, you would expect that of a team that's, you know, two and, two and, you know, 15, three, two, three win team that they lose a lot of games at home and they lose a lot of games on the road. But this is just the most odd thing ever is that they, they win on the road and they lose at home. It, that's just, right? You would think if a team loses a lot, all their games at home, they're probably not very good. And they probably lose most of their games on the road as well. Yeah. You would think that that's a great way of putting it because you would think they would just be bad in general, not, to, you know, not bad at home home and elite on the road, which is like they've been. Sunday, October 24th of last year, they beat the Houston Texans 31-5. to That was the last game they've won at home. Since then, they have lost to the Packers, the Panthers, the Rams, the Colts on Christmas Day, the Seahawks to end the season, Ugh. and then, of course, this year, the Kansas City Chiefs, and then the home game prior to this one when they lost to the Rams again. So, I mean, some good teams in there, to be sure, some not-so-good teams in there, to be sure. You fail on this one, and then your next chance is on that Thursday night football game against the Saints. That's the game you're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back for, but you fail to win that game then it will have been a full calendar year. You're literally talking about 365 days, and then that becomes a national story at this point if they can't win at home. Yeah. I mean, the good news is the Eagles haven't won here since 2001, the year the Diamondbacks won the World Series. It's been a long time. Yeah. They've had, uh, they've had some nightmares here. They lost the NFC Championship game the year the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, and then they, they lost to the Cardinals in 2012, 2014, 2020. So they've had some struggles against the Cardinals here in this stadium, State Farm Stadium. They're 0-4. So something's got to get, Bernsey. Eagles finally win a game Some here for the first time in a long time, but the Cardinals win a home game. I tell you, I, I, just seeing that story that you sent to me about the Eagles never winning in the building, man, 
That day when the Cardinals beat the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, I mean, that was, I mean, you talk about all time, where were you doing, what were you doing, when, you know, who were you with? I mean, that that's one of those all time, if you can't remember exactly where you were, who you were with, what you were doing when the Cardinals won that game against the Eagles, right? That's one of those just all time oh moments. God, you'll just yeah. never, you'll never forget that if you're a local sports fan. I, I mean, so as, as bad as this matchup could be this weekend, and it could really be bad, the Eagles are really, really good. As bad as this weekend could be, seeing the Eagles in that building playing the Cardinals will at least briefly bring back memories of what happened that day in that NFC Championship game, we, for sure. We were we were 620 at that time, yes. right? We were not We were on the AM dial. We, yes. You know, same station. We were on the AM dial. What I'll never forget is uh, at that time, it wasn't me and you. It was me and Ash that were doing the show, and we were giving away tickets for the NFC Championship game. Like, t- And it was, uh, that was a hard ticket to get, right? That was a valuable ticket. And so we did a contest, like What's the craziest thing you would do? And some guy goes, I'll, I'll get I'll get Gambo Nash tattooed on my butt. Like, okay. Right, you don't you know what? We'll get a tattoo person, we'll come in and guy comes into the station, he's all ready, and there it is. He drops the shorts and he's ready to get his tattoo. And at that time I'm like, All right, he's this guy's willing to do it. I'm just let's cut it. You may you don't want to have this guy walking around with this big tattoo on his butt for the rest of his life, you know. So we're like, all right, and then I was just like, you know what, screw it, let him just let him get the tattoo. Was that was that for was that for the <laughs> NFC title game or was that for the that Super was, Bowl? No, that was for the NFC championship. That was for the game. NFC title game. Okay, I, I was thinking I, that was for the Eagles I, I, game. Yeah. I remember we didn't, have Super, we didn't have Super Bowl tickets. That was for the NFC championship. Because I remember game. I was I was doing the nighttime show after you guys, yeah. and by then the 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 tattoo table was already set up in the studio. So I You're had like, to I do, get one. I had to do no, I had to do my show while they were finishing up his tattoo. <laughs> So I'm like, hey, could you guys keep it down over there? I'm trying to you know, do a thing over here. Yeah, it was, it's called a radio show. I, I appreciate this and all, but that's... Uh, a part of us that were like, you know, we'll just cut it right before like they do it. And, you know, <laughs> we'll just, just right before they do it, just save the guy. And then it was like, yeah. you know what the hell? Would it look like? I remember... Ahead, give him the tattoo. Give I, him the tattoo. I remember that night of that game, our bosses had decided that a bunch of us should do a post-game show, basically, that went all the way until Doug and Wolf in the morning. So I had... Like the two a.m. shift, oh, I was man. I was doing a post game show. The game ended. I can't remember what time. The game ended like at eight o'clock local time, nine o'clock, whatever it was. So after the network post game show, and after I think it was John Bloom did his post game show, I did a post game show from down there at the stadium from like two until four in the morning or something. And we had call after even then <laughs> in the middle of the night. We had call after call after call after call, and oh, eventually we turned it over to Doug and Wolf. Yeah, those are good memories right there. When That's we come fun back, times. Yeah, those were good times. When we come back, Cliff Kingsbury does have some emotion following the release of Andy Isabella. We'll hear, we'll let you hear what he had to say and maybe a hint on his future next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I'll uh, just pay off the tease right now. I saw that Paul Calvisi from the Cardinals broadcasting crew passed along a tweet from Brad Stainbrook, verified Twitter account of a reporter who covers the Cleveland Browns. Now, why a Cleveland Browns reporter has this bit of news, I don't know. But, you know, like sometimes you have news about other markets, Gambo, and it's a bit of a surprise, too. He is reporting via his Twitter account that the Kansas City Chiefs 
are a team that is interested in wide receiver Andy Isabella. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kansas City. Kansas City. He's going to go somewhere. Somebody signed him to a practice squad, yep. probably. He's I mean, going to go nobody, somewhere. Nobody claimed him. I checked. Listen, I checked today. There was zero interest. Like, there was there was nothing. Nobody wanted to even kick a tire on Andy Isabella. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, hey, nobody kicked a tire. No, uh, but waiting until he clears waivers, he's somebody's bound to take a chance on him and see what he can do. And Cliff, today, it was the first time he met with the media since the release of Andy Isabella. It was just yesterday. Um, and he said it was tough. It, it was a tough decision because he, he was here when that guy got drafted. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I hate that. I mean, he, he comes in yesterday, and uh, it's just a tough conversation because you love him and what he's about and how hard he's worked. And you know in the right you know, situation could have been different, and I think it will be for him. Um, but even on his way out, this is the type of guy he is. He tells me, hey, prove him wrong, coach. You know, he's still thinking about others and encouraging me. So um, I think the world of him and, and hopefully lands in a good spot. But he did and something else that he, you know, he talked about not getting a lot of opportunities. I'll play the soundbite, then we'll react to it. He, he was asked a question about the 2019 wide receivers not working out. And he said, with Isabella in particular, it was tough because he was just always behind some really good players. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of that's situational. Um, I think, you know, Andy, we, we bring him in and he's behind really Christian Kirk and, and Larry Fitzgerald where we wanted to play him. So he didn't um, probably get the time on test that, that could have really helped him. And, and then we bring in DeAndre Hopkins. And so you have those three guys. And then... Um, you know, it's just just hard to, to get on the field, but he can definitely play in this league. He'll find a place, and, and then the other two, um, Keyshawn and Hakeem, just didn't work out for whatever reason. But uh, every every position is hard to evaluate. I think receiver, particularly, you got to find a place that's able to maximize your skill set and, and um, where you you kind of fit in. One thing's for sure, they've had a hard time drafting wide receivers over the last several years. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and this this is an organization that once drafted Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden, and yeah. they had some success, right? Breston, like there was some success drafting guys, but they've definitely, but they hit the jackpot on the trades, man. They really hit the jackpot on the trades. Hopkins was a great trade, and Hollywood Brown was a great trade, and even like tight end Zach Ertz, great trade. So they've they found their their pass catchers in other ways. Look, here's the thing with Andy from from what I was told, there's just self confidence was a big issue. Um, it was more robotic than anything else. Uh, it was over. Thinking a lot of things. I mean, I think the Cardinals will be the first to admit that they missed on him. They just they just missed on him. They really liked him coming out of college at UMass. Thought he could be a good player in this league, and uh, just it, it it just never materialized. And uh, now he's gone, and he'll get an opportunity somewhere else. And uh, the Kansas City thing, we'll keep our eye on that. But again, even if he signs somewhere, it's very likely that he's going to be more of a practice squad guy than anything else. I would imagine. Of course, today was also, and I don't know why exactly. DeAndre Hopkins, according to every report I'm looking at, was there inside the locker room today for the Cardinals. He's still not allowed to attend practices or meetings or anything like that. But apparently he's allowed to be in the in the facility, at least in the locker room, as he was there today. Cliff was asked a question about, about getting him back and how difficult it's been without him out there calling plays. My very first college coach, his saying was, it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And you find that out quick when guys like that who are all-time greats um, are no longer uh, a part of your offense but um, I've been proud of, of the way our staff and, and um, you know our quarterback has kind of handled that this year just trying to find way, ways to win even though it's, it hadn't been, always been pretty we haven't played great on offense haven't coached great on offense but to be two and two with with some of the things we have going on I think um, 
that's going to lead to some positive things down the road. Steve Kime gave us a very similar, honest answer to that question last week as well. Just look, you try to win every single game, but you also have to acknowledge there are some players that are just more important than others. And DeAndre Hopkins surviving these games without him, that's what you have to do. You have to survive these games without him. Yeah, and I think we all knew that going in. None of us were sitting there saying the Cardinals are going to go 6-0 and with Hopkins, but we also knew they weren't going to go and win 6. It was just a matter, is it, did they win two, win two games, three games, four games? I mean, we you know we all kind of felt that probably like 500 would be fine, um, especially in the NFC. You know, you're going to hang around. You get the 3-3. Three and three. There's 11 games left. If you could go 6-5, and five, very likely going to be a playoff team in the NFC. Very likely that if you can get to 9-8, and eight, you're going to be there. So that's that's what you're hoping for. And then you're hoping when Hopkins, come, Hopkins comes back, you take off. That this offense clicks. We haven't seen the Cardinals play, you know, a really good football game yet. I mean, it's, I think you said it yesterday, right? They are the worst first-half team in the National Football League and the best second-half team? Yes. Is that the, that, 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 wasn't that what you had? That's, it's some fancy analytics stat, but that's exactly it. They have been, based off of this one particular stat, and it's not like yards or points, it's something more analytics-based and more advanced than that, but yes, based off of this one particular stat, they are the worst first-half offense in the NFL, the best second-half offense in the NFL, which totally passes the eye test. Totally, yep, that's right. That's, that's the football team I've seen so far this year. That number doesn't surprise me at all when it comes to the cards. Yeah, can you imagine what it would be like to play a you know, and listen to beat the Eagles like like we said last week against Carolina. You play that way against anybody else. You play the way against the Eagles, you're going to lose. You're going to get buried. You play that way against the Eagles. You play really bad for a half. You don't score any points in the first half. You struggle. Like you, you're not going to you're not going to beat the Eagles. They got lucky that they played Carolina. Carolina's a train wreck. They're a bad, bad football team. You play that way against Philadelphia. You have a bad first half. You're probably not going to be able to recover from that. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I'm looking at the schedule now, and you talk about it's been a while since we've seen their offense in full. full it, yeah. I mean, it's. it's it, it almost rivals the stretch of games where they haven't won at home. Like, I'm looking at the schedule from last year. The last time they played a really good offensive football game with Kyler Murray as the quarterback, so I'm taking out the Colt games last November. Man, you have to go back to that same game against Houston where they won at home. It's been almost a year since they've played. I mean, they they dropped 33 on Chicago, but if I remember that game right, they forced like four turnovers. Kyler only had 123 yards passing, so most of that was the defense setting up the offense in that game. They haven't had one of those prolific offensive football games in a long, long time. They are. I don't think it's going to happen this week against the Eagles, but they are overdue to have that style of football make its return. Well, don't you think in some ways that that's the type of game they would have to play to beat the Eagles? Yes. Yes, exactly. Like they're not I like do. if they yeah. play a mediocre type game, they're probably not beating the Eagles. When we come back, Chris Paul has thrived off of a career as a creator and a distributor. When you're asking him to not do those things, how does he react? That's next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. 4.30 on this Wednesday. We rolled out a poll question earlier about who's going to have more yards this weekend, Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. And it, it got a little closer, but it's still Jalen Hurts, right, Eric, for the most part? Yeah, it's still a blowout. So we're moving on. We're moving on to a different one. Let's update our new Twitter poll question of the day here on Burns and Gambo. 
Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll Update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, what's the new and improved Twitter poll question? Now, the first one was fine, but what's I think this one's going to be a little bit better. What do you got? This you one got is a little bit closer as well. Okay, long injury report for the Cardinals after practice today, but they do have some eyes on some potential returners. So out of these three players, who would make the biggest impact if they suited up on Sunday? Your three options are Antonio Hamilton, Antoine Wesley, and A.J. Green. Hmm. Of those oh. three players. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that is a good one, isn't it? I, I know who I think it would be. I think it'd be Hamilton. Antoine, I think it'd be Antoine Wesley. Give me your cases, Burnsy first. I, I think it'd be I, I, the wide receiver position. Um, I, I honestly, if you need a big wide receiver, a big target. I think I just trust him more than A.J. Green at this point, and I think the Cardinals could use a little diversity in their wide receiver room. Uh, I think I know where Gambo's going to go with the Hamilton argument, and it's a good argument, but I'll say Wesley on this one. Gambo, you have the floor. Yeah, I'll go Hamilton because, like, you're going to have to stop them at some point, right? You're going to have to get a, uh, you're going to have to get a, a stop or a couple of stops. They can't score every time they get the ball. So, you know, they've got weapons all over the place. I think Hamilton just gives you another guy that can come in and defend. All right. Hamilton is leading the way, Gambo, 48.3%, a man of the people, as always, in second place. 36.7% is Antoine Wesley, all the way at the bottom, 15%, AJ Green. Yeah, the Colonel fans are a little down on AJ. Green right now. I just, just a little I'm, bit. I'm not sensing a lot of lot of AJ Green. You know, even though he had that gigantic catch on that two point conversion in the Raiders game, I I, I don't know, Gambo. I I watch AJ Green play, and he just looks like he's cooked out. No, there. that's what I'm saying. Like I like AJ Green. Like he, he, like I, even when he's healthy, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, no. So uh, Wesley or Hamilton, I can understand the Wesley you know uh, thought because you know you're gonna have to score a lot of points in this game and. He does give you a big guy that you can throw the ball up to, which you know they lack of the wide receiver position. Yeah, and I, th- I think DeAndre. Kyler likes throwing to him. I mean, Kyler seems comfortable yeah. throwing to him. We saw that in the second half last year when they didn't have D Hop. Uh, I mean, it's obviously not the same as D Hop, but I think he's comfortable in throwing to him. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where it's at. Now tonight at seven o'clock, right here on the flagship home of the Suns, you'll hear preseason game number two. Very rarely would we ever give this much attention to preseason games, at least in terms of our show. We're we're much more focused on the regular season when it comes to the Suns, but then Sunday happened. And on Sunday, they got straight up humiliated by an Australian national team. The Suns were favored by 30, and they lost by 10 at home. And so clearly, red flags are flying at least about that game in the context of everybody acknowledging it's just a preseason game. That is one of the reasons to keep an eye on tonight's game to see how they respond from that. Again, it's just preseason, but it was a really concerning preseason game in the context of that. Yeah, listen, I mean, I wasn't that like excited to watch any of the Australia game, and didn't he lose? Like, now, all of a sudden, now I'm like, oh, man, I want to tune into this Laker game tonight and Absolutely. see how this goes. Like, I think there's more of a, like, you just want to you just want to know that everything's okay. Okay, there it is. There's that team that's moving the ball the way we expect. You just want to. Yeah, that's you want to know that. That's way a good way of putting it. You just want to know everything's going to be all right, right? right. Like, show me something. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So I like it in a, in a normal look at a normal week. You know, not that you're not that excited about a you know a preseason game, and but I think tonight. 
you know, I mean, there's no Diamondback baseball. There's no uh, NFL games on tonight. So it's, you know, Suns and Lakers, NBA TV. Okay. All right. I'll watch a little of that. I want to see if, I want to see if my team's okay. I want to see if my team's got that heartbeat that I, that I haven't seen in a little while. Yeah. And, and again, it's just preseason. I think specifically, I'm looking to see the bench and how they play tonight because that was really true. It wasn't even the result necessarily. It was, it was how they got the result and, and the bench, the way they played on Sunday night. Okay. That was the biggest red flag of them all. So you watch to see if the bench can be better. And then I think another reason why you watch tonight is, is more of this Chris Paul playing off the ball. And and Monty Williams talked about it yesterday. The CP3 role off the ball and how he seems to be kind of embracing it. It's just something that we feel like is going to be really good for us. Uh, he can play off the ball. He can have live ball situations, especially when we're in the penalty. That's where Chris can get you shots um, at the free throw line and allows for us to set our defense. And, um, it's just, it's, if I had to grade it right now or, or give it a level 1 through 10, I'd say it's at a 3. Um, even though it looked decent the other day, I just think there's so many things that we're going to be able to do off of it. It's going to be really good for us. I guess the question, and nobody has the answer to this yet, will be how much of Chris playing off the ball and not bringing the ball up and not initiating the offense every time he's out there. How, what kind of dividends will that pay later in the season or in the postseason? And of course, You're not going to know. And nobody can answer that, right? No. But that's, that's the reason why you do it, right? Is so that he's fresher at the end, or, or if teams try to do what the Mavs did last year, you've bingo. got tried and true options, right? Yeah, bingo. I mean, that's they, Monty made no adjustments. I mean, there were no adjustments made by Monty. You got out, listen. I like Monty. Monty's done a great job here. He got outcoached in that series against the Mavs. I mean, there's no if, ends, or buts about it. He got outcoached. They made great adjustments. They made really good adjustments after the first two games. And those adjustments were really good, and they worked well. But what happened in the New Orleans series and the Dallas series, especially playing every other day and Chris getting worn out, Chris getting worn out, they said, let's wear him out some more. And when you saw that full court, uh, full court pressure, and he's bringing the ball up, and he's got somebody on him, and he doesn't have time to really observe and get the, get the team into the offense like he normally does, you know, you got to find out other ways, and so I like Monty experiment, experimenting now. And you want to, and you don't want to just experiment in the preseason. You also want to use it in the regular season because when you get to a point where you're playing a team in a seven game series, and somebody decides they want to try to do that, you've got to have other options to take to take some of that pressure off of Chris. Oh yeah, you have to. Uh, this is something you and I have talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, is that these these early season, regular season games is the time to experiment. It is the time to experiment with the Andre Ayton so you can maximize your return on that investment. It's the time to experiment with Mikkel initiating the offense or Ayton getting his own shot or or playing Chris Paul in the Devin Booker role to save him a little wear and tear. And, and maybe you won't win as many games last year. You're probably not going to win as many games as you did last year. You set a franchise record doing it. But that's okay as long as you still win enough to be where you need to be when it's all said and done, and you experiment with these things that you're going to be able to use throughout the course of the season, I don't mind sacrificing a game or two if I'm the Suns in the name of being a better product at the end of the year. Yeah, Chris played 65 games last year, so he missed 17 games. They had a nice break after their last game because of the play-in tournament. I don't think... Burns, in my opinion, man, I don't think it's much about how do we just give this guy rest during the course of, of the season. I don't know that it's 
as much about that as it is about how do we just take some of the pressure off of him, you know, during these games? How do we, you know, how do we, how do we prevent him from getting exhausted in the, cause he's no matter what, no matter if he plays 60 games or 65 games or 70 games, the second you start playing every other day for 15 days in a row, you know, 16 days in a row, then, you know, that's going to wear a guy out. I don't know, you know, it is going to wear a guy out, especially a 38-year-old player like he'll be in the playoffs next year. So during that time, how do you figure it out? How do you figure out how to, you know, take some of the pressure, alleviate some of the pressure off of him then? that That's what I think this is about. Last chance to win tickets to see the Black Keys next Monday at Auction Pavilion for the Dropout Boogie Tour. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and to enter. When we come back, these two teams, the Cardinals and the Eagles, are both really good in one category. What is it? You'll hear next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports app. Give Gambo credit on this one because we we briefly went down the road about turnovers and takeaways and giveaways. And now obviously everyone knows how important of a stat that is when you're talking about the National Football League. But but I, I made some mention about how the Eagles have been really, really good at it so far this year. They have 10 takeaways already. Last year, they didn't get their 10th takeaway until their 11th game. Their, their, their defense is obviously extraordinary on so many different levels. The sacks, the takeaways, the run defense, etc., etc. But I stumbled on an article today on a Philly website about just how much of a priority the Eagles made towards forcing turnovers. And, and every team talks a mean game about that. Everyone knows it's important, but the Eagles are kind of patting themselves on the back for how good they are at it this year. So I looked it up. Turnover differential this year. Yeah, the Eagles are the best in the NFL at turnover differential. They've forced eight more than they've given away. The Arizona Cardinals are third in that stat this yeah. year. I, and they, they're not taking the ball away a whole lot. And they're not it's taking they're the, not turning it over. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. They've 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 got six takeaways on the season. Four fumble recoveries, two interceptions, but they only have two giveaways on the year. So that's why the Cardinals are able to be third in that obviously very important stat. Yeah, there's no question. They've done a really good job of protecting the football. I think that goes a long way. Look, Kyler's not a big interception guy. He's not. First year in the league, 16 games, 12 interceptions. Second year, 12. Last year, actually, 14 games because he missed two to Colt McCoy played, but he had 10. So he's not a huge interception guy, right? He's, you know, he, he, he'll throw some. But this year, he's on a great pace. He's on, you know, his best pace so far. He's only got two through four games. You know, you play it out, that's probably eight or nine interceptions. Because it's hard. It used to be so easy when it was a, 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 an even number with 16 to be able to do the math. But he's on pace for eight, like right in your head. But with 17, it's like, I know. It I know. he's on pace for eight and a quarter. Um, but that's what it is. I mean, he's, he, he does not throw a lot. And last year... He fumbled the ball twelve times, um, but they didn't. They don't lose a lot of his fumbles. Um, but this year, they've done a really good job of protecting the football, and that's why that 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 plus minus differential that you're talking about. That's why the Cardinals are in good shape there. Yeah, uh, the 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 fumbles aren't happening. I, I think 
part of it, too, with the interceptions is that the offense has become so... I, I mean, you could argue it was already kind of dinky and dunky to begin with, but last year, I think they took deeper shots. This year, it's become so conservative with how they throw the ball down the field, how often they throw the ball down the field, that I think they've put themselves in it. That, that's probably the one benefit of not taking as many deep shots is that you're going to reduce the number of interceptions you could throw by not throwing. It's it's really hard to throw an interception on a bubble screen, right? I mean, it can be done, but it's really hard to do it. It's really hard to throw one on a wide receiver screen because the ball's not traveling that far. The wide receiver's standing by. Half the time, it, it counts as a handoff if the guy's behind the line of scrimmage. So I think the style of offense the Cardinals have played to start the season does play a little bit into the lack of interceptions and the lack of turnovers because they really haven't pushed the ball down the field very much at all. But but yeah, I mean, give them credit where credit's due. They've And it's not like they're not forcing turnovers either. I mean, they've the Eagles have forced 10. The Cardinals have forced 6. I mean, that's a pretty decent number in the NFL. So I, I for everything that hasn't gone right for the Cardinals this year to start the year, mm. that is a number that, that tells a nice story, that they've done a good job protecting the football, and they've done a decent job yeah. taking it away. Very much. But when you said that, it's hard to throw that interception on those screens. I keep thinking of Matthew Stafford to Hufunga of the of the 49ers. <laughs> I keep thinking about it's hard to throw an interception on a little screen pass. It's Matthew Stafford just decides, okay, true. I'm throwing this, I'm throw this little, little screen over somebody's head. And there he is. Hufunga takes it all the way to the house for the touchdown. <laughs> yeah, but thank but, you, Matthew Stafford, on a screen play, on a screen play. Yeah, the, the Eagles, but I mean, the Eagles defense, I mean, it's, it's not. Not just how they force turnovers. And, and again, this speaks right to this conversation we're having about how do you beat a team that appears to have no flaws? Now, of course, they're flawed. They're not perfect. This idea that I read a story, you read the same one, and it was so silly. Neither one of us emailed it to each other, but I'll just bring it up for context. Read a story today on Bleacher Report suggesting are the Eagles so good that they could finish 17 and 0 this season? They're not going to finish 17 and 0 this season. All right. Breaking news here. It's not going to happen. But that defense, when you talk about how to beat the Eagles, that defense is good. Most sacks in the NFL, 16. They've already got 10 turnovers forced in the NFL. They're allowing the lowest completion rate in the NFL, the second lowest passer rating allowed. We talked to Jay Feely, who called the game last week for CBS on the show earlier, and he talked about Hassan and how complimentary a player Redick is to that defense because it all starts up front with them. They're, they're beastly. On on the defensive and offensive side of the football, yeah, and that's where, like you know, we talked about like the complete game. Can't play one good half of football and beat the Eagles. Probably not going to happen. I mean, they got down fourteen nothing to the Jaguars and then turned it on and they they won that game. Now I don't think that they're a perfect team. Right, I mean, we we look at the defensive numbers yesterday that compared them to the '85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens. Okay, like the, oh, that was the uh, the forty nine the forty uh, niners, but the Eagles' defense has been really, really good, really good, and their offense has been really good. So to to play a complete game against them is probably what it's going to take for you to win that football game. I don't think you're going to get by if you play a bad half of football. So they've got to get this first. Now I'm curious to see because we we played cuts from Cliff and. You know, I'm going to talk to the guys. We're going to go over the scripted plays. We're going to change some things. Let's see if that gets fixed this week against Philadelphia. Yeah, that's maybe Arizona sports. Breaking news. Actually, I, I knew it was coming. I just forgot it was coming. According to Aaron Wilson, NFL insider with the Pro Football Network. 
Andy Isabella is joining the Baltimore Ravens, according to a league source. The Ravens. The Ravens are signing Andy Isabella. Had a feeling he would have a new team by the end of the day. Even though, as you you mentioned, that there were there were no kicking of any tires by any other teams when he was on waivers or when he was available or this offseason for a trade, I had a feeling that once he cleared waivers, he was going to find a home fairly quickly, and he did. He's going to the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, we had not uh, we had we had well, somebody had mentioned maybe the Chiefs, Chiefs earlier. Yes, yes, and it is the practice squad. It's not the the team. It is the the Ravens practice squad that he's joined so we'll see now the watch becomes you know we, we take a look at Andy Isabella what's he gonna be who's he gonna become um is is there anything there or or not and we'll find out see what the Ravens do with him right so he gets, so not even on the practice squad right to no, the regular no no, squad. no 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 the practice squad he did the sign, practice he squad, signed okay. with the practice squad yes okay, okay. I must have missed with the practice. I say yeah, that. Yep. I mean of course of course all right so we'll see if he gets an opportunity to play. I mean, he definitely was going to go somewhere. I mean, some team was going to take a chance on him. He's a former second-round pick. Just Some teams may feel like he just hasn't been really given the, good, or the right opportunity. Yeah, and all along you had to wonder, and I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens are that team, but you had to figure it was going to be some team that liked him coming out of the draft, right? Some team that had a high grade on him coming out of the draft and said, well, you know, what the hell? Let's take a flyer on him. Let's see. Right. Let's find right. out. Because it's not going to cost you anything. No, and I don't know for sure that the Ravens are that team, but I would have to assume that a team would be interested in him if they had a good grade on him. Texas, your thoughts? Andy Isabella, former Cardinal, now going to the Ravens, or basically anything we've been talking about. You can text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. Text us at 620-620 right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Kyla Murray coming off another brilliant second-half performance, leading the best second-half offense in the NFL. Gets ready for a tough test this weekend. That Philly defense that we just talked about We'll talk about Kyler next on the Burns and Gambo Show.